0: Good morning, everybody. Today, Be'ezrat Hashem, we'll be learning Dach Ein Aleph in Maseches Gittin. Uh, a little scheduling note. Tomorrow is Tisha B'av, which means we will not have, and which means two things. Number one, we will not be uh, learning tomorrow. And also, when Tisha B'av falls out on a Thursday, that means Shabbos Nachamo weekend falls out immediately thereafter. So we actually are going to be away for Shabbos Nachamo weekend. And Bezrat Hashem resume next week on Tuesday. Scheduling hmm. note. Put down your calendar, Moshe Aziz, Dr. Muscat, and all you people in uh, Barcelona and Dublin. Here we go. Two dots, first line on Ainof, Amarov. Amarov, Kahana, Amarov. We're resuming with the discussion of the people who are medically compromised and are making, uh, and are trying to get divorced. So, Cheresh, Shiochal Adabar Mitochak Okay, so here's the thing. A Cheresh we know the idea of a cherish uh, shot of a cut on, right? So cherish shot of a cut on are, are in the classic, right, writings of the Mishnah and the Gemara are presumed to have no das, but this is obviously a different kind of cherish. We're going to lean a lot on Rashi uh, for this stuff. So Rashi points out, hey, look at the Rashi, second line, cherpikeach, k'shenichnesa. Kiddush of Kiddush and Gemurim. Right? So, we will see. Well, this Cherish has a little bit more, uh, has a lot more das. So, we're going to see exactly what's, what, what the case is. So, a that could speak Mitoch and and we saw in our Mishnah already, right? If he can, and this is where we left off yesterday, if you can verify that. There is knowledge going on there, right? And develop a pattern that you know that's going on. So then the cherish is certainly going to be uh, considered to have das, and then Kosvin, v'nosan and get leishdo, and that that has the requisite das in order to write and give a get to his wife. So Amar of Yosef, my kamashmalan, what are you uh, teaching us? Tanina, we actually just learned in our mishnah. That's a direct right quote from Rav Mishnah saying where a person became mute, right? So remember, this is a cherish that Rav Kahana is talking about in the name of Rav. But here we said he became mute. So what does it matter? If he became mute, the point is the person obviously had some das. right? He was able cognitively to function. And then, okay, so either it became deaf or it became mute. But the point is, communication became compromised. But if we are going to say, I'm just quoting the mission again. We said, should we write again for your wife? And he gestures with his head. We check three times. If he says no for no, no, and then yes, yes. And then we said in the Gemara, you know, okay, we'll establish a pattern to make sure this isn't just, you know, like a social tick. This is actually, he's responding in a cognitive way. So then certainly, so armish just said that. So what are you adding by saying that also a cherish? Uh, that the same halacha will be a cherish? It should just be one general halacha. If person seems ca- communicationally compromised, but we can establish real communication with them to see that, uh, right, in, whether it's in writing or by gesturing, so then of course the get should be able to be given. There's no uh, stipulation that says a get has to be given by somebody who, who can hear. So so that's the question, right? What the question is what is Rav Kahana adding? So Amrale uh, Elam or a better way to read that is Elam Kamrat. Did you mention uh, only a mute? Shine When a person is mute, that's different than a deaf mute. Okay, Nishtatek is our Mishnah, right? Our Mishnah is talking about Nishtatek and it's always assumed that a person who is mute in elaim is is mentally competent. They just can't express themselves. Of course, a uh, uh, person who is mute should be able to, right, um, should be able to uh, express themselves and be considered um, valid to give a get. What Rav is adding here is that even a chayrish that is an elam, like a deaf mute, right? That, now you're already talking about someone who halachically is for, leaning more towards that chayrish shotev katan area, and he's saying that even the deaf mute, if he writes it, you can give the get. Why do we think that? The tanya, So that's what Rashi says, right? Rashi's pointing out. Again, this is not the regular Harish Says Rashi. Right? So Rashi right, is being very clear. Right? We usually say cherech has no, is a shote. right? It's the same, like we say it in one breath. Right? It's considered to have no cognitive ability. That's not what we're talking about here. Right? This one is fully cognitively aware okay But it's still a cheresh, so that's the point. that That's not the usual cheresh that we're talking about with no cognitive ability, but that is a cheresh. So we have a brysa that simply is defining the terms, right, that if you can't hear, you're considered deaf, that's what we call deaf, and if you can't hear, and you can't speak Zeo Elam that's what we call mute and all of these you know consistent with Rav are all considered to be right mentally competent and therefore that's what Rav is simply adding according to this brysa, that in fact he can write new getti right his written uh, right his written commission of the get is valid okay uh and now the, the Gemara is just going to say, what's the source of this b'risa? What's the source that we call somebody who can not hear deaf and somebody who cannot speak mute? Straight up, right? We have psukim uh, in Tehillim that teach us that Cherish is deaf and Elam is mute. Good. Ishtakil milule. And if you want, we could give another etymology of the word. elame. right, is ishtatek milule. See that? It has like the Aleph and the Laman and Mem in there. That's the etymology of the word Elaim. And so I don't know why we need a source, but that's what it is. It's the cherish is the deaf, as it says in Tehillim, and the Elam is the mute, as it says in Tehillim. Or if you want to say it's a, right, uh, it's a, it's a uh, conglomerate of those words, Ishtakil Milule, which is Aramaic for his speech was taken from him, and that's where the word Elaim comes from as well. Okay? Which is just a little bit interesting because David Amelch preceded Aramaic in a way. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if he, you know what I'm saying. The Gullus was after David Melech. and so when David Melech used the word Elaim, he was speaking Hebrew, and they were saying, well, maybe it comes from an etymology of, of English. It's like it's like the word fruit. There's a lot of words like this. Like spell out like just write the word peyrot, pe Reshvav, tough, and then just with no nukudot and read it straight, it's fruit. So what came first? <laughs> okay. Alright, Amarabi There's a lot of those, by the way. Okay. Copacetic is the Kobisader. We know that, Andrew, right? Okay, here we go. Amarabi Zera. Ikashali Hakashali. No, no. If I have a difficulty with Rev's ruling, it's not that it's not that uh, he says that deaf and mute and mute can can write the get can a uh, commission to get to be written. That's that's it. But here's my difficulty: the Tanya, the Bryce, it says like this: Im loyagid. The Torah says that when it comes to what's the context? It just says like in, in midair, and you know it's not. So the context is the following: Can you? This has to do with edus. The I'll, I'll say it outside. The Torah says in the fifth parak of Vayikra, that you're not allowed to withhold information, Barry. So a person who knows information, he can't swear that he doesn't know what's up. He can't just recuse himself and say, I'm telling you, I don't know anything. That's called withholding information. And for that, you would have to bring a, one would have to bring a korban chatas for withholding information. However, the language in the Torah for that is imloyagid, with respect to testimony, it says that you have to say something, which is to say, says the Gemara, which is to say that if a mute person, right, did not say something, they will not be subject to this chatas, right? A mute person, even if they have cognitive abilities, is not subject to this, right, iser of, of not being allowed to withhold information. He's an elam, he's allowed to withhold information. Of course, testimony has this element of, right, Articulation to it, right? It's not just, again, when you commission a get, it says, right? So some things require uh, verbal declaration, as we know, and some things don't. So, edus, apparently, in the context of withholding information, requires a verbal declaration, therefore, a mute is exempt from that. As opposed to, right, as opposed to giving a get, doesn't require it. Anyways, at this stage in the Gemara, Rabbi Zair is pointing out, maybe we would think. That there is a correlation between testimony and being able to give a get, right? Amay says the says uh, asks Rabbi Zera why if Rav is correct that an Elaim and a cherish that have cognitive ability, as Rashi pointed out, is considered like a regular mentally competent person, why would and this is a good question? Why would an Elame be exempt? <laughs> After all, he's totally men- mentally competent, so. Why is he allowed to withhold information for, from uh, testimony? It says the Gemara, right? So, in other words, he could certainly, right, speak. So, Amai, I Lahagi You have a mentally competent person. That's a mute. So, why, can, why shouldn't he be also required to give testimony if he has information about a case? Right, just because he can't speak? So, Amai Le'abai, Edus Kamar, what are you talking about? We're talking about giving a get. Who ever said anything about testimony? Shiny, this testimony is different. That is a, what we would call a like, sakasav, right? It's a special din in the Torah that it says, right? And that actual pasuk, right, is in, right, in Sefer Devarim. And it says that you're supposed to, right, give the, uh, that's only when you let's say in capital punishment when you're going to do it when you're going to get witnesses is be alpi shnaim you right so when it says p it says mouth so not only when it says imlo yagid with regards to withholding testimony it also says p right on mouth so there's some sort of right call it oral fixation when it comes to testimony Andrew right there's some sort of um, focus on the idea that it has to be right uh, by mouth when it comes to testimony and it is for that reason that an elame by technicality, what we'll call exeris akasav for the Torah, doesn't have to give testimony um, verbally, whereas uh, when it comes to giving and get, there is no mention of any verbal declaration and therefore anybody who exhibits mental competence, as our missioner says, should be okay. So that's the Answer that Abaya says. However, says the Mesve, is that really true that a person who's mute and right uh, can divorce his wife? After all, the b'risa says, We have a Brysa that actually literally equates the mental capacity to uh, give a get to also the mental capacity to do masaos umatanos, business transactions, and eduyos, and testimony, and inheritance. Katani mias adius, and the brisa, at any rate, brought up the idea of adius. It sounds like if you're mentally competent enough for forgetting, then you are, in fact, required to give adius. So what is it? All right, so again, the brisa sounds like you don't have to write Have to give adus, and and our mishnah right for gittin says that you right that you uh, our mishnah says that you have to give gittin, and now the fact that we have a brisa that equates right gittin to adus, it sounds like you would have to give adus. So which is it? Does a mentally competent deaf mute have to give adus or not? Can he give edus or not? So again, this Bryson makes it sound like you can. So, isha This Bryson suggests that suggests that a deaf-mute can give, that anybody who can give a get, right, which includes, according to our Mishnah and according to, right, Rav, a deaf-mute, anybody who can give a get can, in fact, give any kinds of edus. So now we are having a fundamental question here, Barry. Can a deaf-mute who is mentally competent give edus? So, this BRISA that we just read makes it sound like certainly we could, and yet we just learned before that there's something specific about being able to articulate so uh that that um enables a deaf mute to uh to give Aus, and they don't have that ability, so which is it so I'm a review so a he reconciles it by saying that when our BRISA that we just quoted, right says that it. Deaf, mute, can give Adus, It's only referring to the death of a woman's husband. That's what edus isha means. Rashi. Edus isha lehassiya. rashi. Right. echav kard We already uh, learned this. We learned Yavamas, right? And Ksubas. When uh, someone is out at sea, right, and we don't know the status, Rahman al tlan of whether the husband is alive, in that specific case, we allow a karov, we allow a shifcha, we allow a lot of different kinds of leniencies. And it is in that context that we said that just like we check him for Gittin, we're also going to check him for these other things. And it is there where we will, in fact, accept a deaf mute, but generally not. Okay. So the Gemara, but Yerushos, but we said inheritance. Inheritance doesn't have anything to do with with a, somebody dying and Adas Isha. Says the Gemara, amari bar, Yerushos, yeah, that may not have to do with trying to determine the death of a husband and and agunos or any of that, but it's a different kind of it, uh Altogether, it's not like a third party, like somebody actually testifying about a monetary case. It is a Yerushas B'noa B'chor where the father has the ability to determine really, um, it's a formality. The father has the ability to determine the inheritance anyway, right, here too, right, we... Um, we rely on this Rashi, Amar Rabbi Yabbo, right? And, it's, and he basically says that this is a case where the fa- the husband has, the father rather, has the authority altogether, right? In other words, it has to be a case, says Rashi, I'll say it outside. It can't be a case where he's giving Pishnayim to the Bukhar, right? The Mishnah is saying, Yerusha B'no'a Bechor. So Barry, let's slow down. What would be the scenario with a B'no'a Bechor? Typically, a, a firstborn gets Pishnayim, what we call Pishnayim, right? And everybody else, so, right? So if he has let's say, two boys, and he has $300,000 left over in his estate, he'll give $200,000 to the bachar, and then his second younger boy gets $100,000. However, the father has authority to override that. That's like the default suggestion, right? If a person doesn't have a will, so then that would be the the rice of default, and maybe there's a mitzvah doing it of, of, of Yerusha or whatever. The point is that that's the default, but while he's alive, he has the ability to determine how he's going to, you know, apportion his will, okay? But that's not adus. That's not testimony. That's just, you know, saying that you can, in fact, articulate what you want to do. So if the father would happen to be a deaf mute that's of mental competence, we let him write out the will. We don't say that you can't do that because that's not adus. So it's not really what we're talking about, okay? So again, in the first aid, when it says... uh, uh, when it says eduyos it means um, test, sort of verifying, testifying whether a husband was alive, and that's a special kula because of Agunos. When it says Yerushos, it's saying Yerushos Bechor, and that's a case that's not even Adis anyway. Okay. It says, But what about Masos Matanos? My love, la alma. When we say Masos Matanos, we mean commerce, transaction, right? Like DNA Mamunas. Doesn't that mean regular Adis of dina Mamanus? It says, Look that just means that a mute person can actually conduct his own, right, financial affairs, right? In other words, he could be Kona, he could be makne right, as we've said before. Uh, but, you know, just like we said before, by a Katan could be Kona and makne up, you know, once they reach a certain age. But we're not talking about actually testifying in court in financial cases. So what we're left with here is that, in fact, you don't have the power to do real ADUS when you're a deaf mute, okay? Okay, so go Going back to the original halacha of Rav, right? So, the original halacha of Rav was that, right? That, that if you have mental competence. So, this is the Gemara. So, now we're questioning 15 lines up from the bottom, that very quest, idea of Rav. Rav said that if you're just, that if you are a mentally competent deaf mute, you should be able to give a get no problemo. But here, the Brisa says that we don't follow his rimozov vich kvitsosov gestures, lip movements, ksav or his writing. In other words, he is actually gesticulating and writing. He's showing full mental competence. And yet, the Brisa says, we only follow it for Metaltalin, right, for because, after all, mida or arisa, he can't do any kinyanim, And so we'll say for Metaltalin. We're going to say, for movable items, we could say you could be machne and be Kona. But Gittin has a higher standard of threshold. And unbelievably, we're saying that being able to display mental competence is not enough to accomplish Gittin. That's unbelievable. So which is it? This, Brysa, is a direct right contradiction to Rav, who says that mental competence is all you need to do, Gittin. So is mental competence enough Forgiven or not in a case of a deaf-mute. Says the Gemara Tanayi, That is a machlokas tanaim. The tanya, Because you have a brysa that says, Right? With regards to this brysa that says that you have, that even being able to demonstrate, right, mental competence is not enough, he's talking about a person who was born deaf-mute congenitally. In that scenario, that is more severe. And even if the person can communicate in writing, we don't consider him competent enough for getting. But if a person was initially competent, then that's what Rav is talking about. Who He can write a get and they could sign it, which is to say that Adam would be able to sign off on it, which is to say that he does have enough, he is considered to have enough mental competence to initiate a get. Okay? So now, let's take this apart, okay? Is this true that we have this distinction between cherish mikar? Is that the Right, is that the reconciliation of Rav and the Brysa? Again, Rav says that as long as you're mentally competent, you can um, you can initiate a get. Our Gemara is saying that that's somebody who was mentally competent and then became and was not, not deaf mute and then became deaf mute. As opposed to right, the Brysa that says that uh, when it says that you cannot initiate a get even if you show mental competence is talking about a congenital deaf mute. Is that really the distinction? So the Gemara, a person who is congenitally a deaf mute. Cannot initiate again, after all, we learned in a Mishnah in Yevamus, Kufiud Be'ez, I'll remind you with this Mishnah, we're gonna to refer to this Mishnah many times now. You might recall, we had a lot of cases in Yevamus. Uh Yavamas gets complicated, Barry, because if you have, let's say, uh, a healthy, again, what's the case of Yibam? You have uh, somebody, a man and a woman get married, and the man, Rahman dies childless, okay? The brother of that man, right, takes over in Yibum. Now, that is a Chiddush, because usually, right, you're not supposed to uh, take over in Yibum, but for the fact that, in this particular case, that there is a din mida or raisa. The issue is, however, right, the issue is, what if the kidushin is only Derebanon? In other words, does this formula of Yibum, right, change when the Kidushin is a Derebanon in the case of a Cherish? That's going to come into play here, but let's take it slow. The first thing that the, Gemara, the Mishnah Yavama says is just like a Cherish can marry a woman through remiza, so too he can divorce her with remiza. Okay, so we're going to take it slow. The, it, when you first initially read this, this sounds like a contradiction to Rav Shimon Megamliel. After all, the Khidash of Rav Shimon Megamliel was that a congenital deaf mute cannot do gitin. But we see in the Mission Yevamos that a con- it sounds like it's talking about a congenital deaf mute, and he can marry a woman through gesturing, and also divorce her through gesturing. So how can Rav Shimon Megamliel say that a congenital deaf mute isn't capable of giving gitin? Okay. So it says in the Mishnah, here's the distinction. ibe Ishto hachinami. If Reb Shimon Megambliel is talking about, right, a deaf, the Cherish's wife, hacha b'mayaskinan So here's the difference between Ishto and Yevimto, right? That when it comes to, I'll say it, I'll explain it like this. The Rabbanon allowed a Cherish to get married. Mind you, the case in Yevomus, when we were talking about Yevomus, we didn't get so detailed about what the cognitive ability of the, of the Cherish was. But there is a daraban that allows, if a persons is deaf, uh, Cherish, right? A cherish is allowed to get married. How is a Cherish allowed to get married? They're not, they're considered to have compromised Das. Don't you have to have Das to make a Kenyan? So they said, me Durabanon, we're not going to say that a Cherish person is never allowed to get married. It's just not fair, so to speak. It's not nice. So we let him get married, but it's considered a marriage Durabanon. Okay. But once that marriage is on the level of Durabanon, it, you know, when a person gets married, they're getting married, as we say, right? So that marriage, that bond is created, and it can be severed. Oh, so that can happen. So that's what he's saying. That when it comes to creating the marriage, that's okay. But, right? That's what the Brysa is saying. The Brysa that says that you're not allowed, right? With the Brysa, that's a Yavama. Yibum, if this Cheresh ended up in Yibum, that. that's not a thing where his das was, right, the driving factor in the marriage. That was the Torah that got that marriage going. So now you have a marriage, the Orisa, which would actually, right, create this conundrum where Cherish enters into a marriage by Yibum and has no way to divorce the yavama, right? Because you need das on the Orisa level to get out of the the uh, went right uh, marriage, so now the Gemara is going to clarify a little bit. Wait a minute, how did this even happen? If you're going to say that his brother was a cherish, which means that his brother was a Darbanan, so then Right. So wait a minute, uh, that's not necessarily true, but. Let's assume it's true, right? Like, in other words, what he's saying is like this. If the first brother, right? So you have two brothers and they're both deaf. So the first one got married and then died childless. If the first brother was also a cherish, so then the whole marriage was the derabonin to begin with. So maybe even though the second brother takes over, he's like sort of taking over a derabonin marriage and he should be able to get out of it with a a derabonin, right, By, by gesturing. Says the Gemara no, So, this case where we see a distinction between Yibum and Kedushin is Ella, the me'achiv Pikeach. The original marriage was the, the Araisa, right? And since that original marriage of the first brother was the Araisa, so then when the second brother, right, takes over for Yibum, he is, so to speak, stuck in that marriage because he himself is a cherish and can't get out of it, right, by just, right, uh, gesturing. Okay, that's one answer. And that's the answer we're going to end up sticking. That the case is that Naflompikhah. Well now the Gemara is going to get stuck on other possibilities, says the Gemara. But Bais Ama, another possibility of how that works is La olam de Naflame Achiv Atu atu Maybe the other thing you could say is that even though the original brother was a cherish, we're going to have a gezeerah that forbids uh cherish from divorcing a Yavama because of the possibility that if we allow such a right divorce, that we might think that it would also be applicable if the original brother was mentally competent and a pikeach. The Gemara, however, is going to challenge this idea of a gezerah, achiv uh atu achiv pikeach because says the Gemara, ihachi donami, right? If that were true, that you make that gezerah, so then why would the Mishnah allow him to divorce his own wife? As Rashi points out, Ishtonami, towards the bottom, Nigzor In other words, we said that a cherish that gets married, Midar right, can divorce his wife, Midar by gesturing. Well, maybe we should make a gazera. If we're going to make a gazera, maybe we should make a gezera that a cherish that got married, in a regular way, can't get divorced, Atu Yivama, right, because if you allow the Keresh to get divorced, you're going to think that Keresh could get divorced. And then you're going to think that the could even get divorced if he got to this marriage via Yibum, which is something which we do not allow to do. However, the Gemara says that is not uh, something that we need a Gezerah for because that's not something that we're going to get confused because after all, Yevim to be vim to michlafa, to be to lo That Yeah, the reason why we do Gezerah, right, by is because all the cases of Yibam are very unique right you hope to not see too many uh Yibam situations it's a tragedy right when the brother dies childless however so all the cases of Yibam are so unique so you can actually see yourself confusing uh in a case of yebum but you are not likely to see uh, such a uh, you're not likely to confuse right a regular marriage of a khirish to a Yibam of a cherish. you understand that Yibam and marriage are really two very different scenarios and therefore that you won't be confused. And so a Gezerah, Atu uh, ishto you not do. However, the Gemara still challenges, are we still going to, do we really say that we're going to make the Gezerah for the Cherish, you know, Atu Gezerah that we might confuse it with the After all, as we turn to Ayn Aleph on the Beis, Vatanan, going to that, back to that same Mishnah, on is Kufid Beis, Shnei Achin Cherish, and Asun Shtei Achos Okay, the, the Mishnah in Yvom now quotes scenarios where you have two brothers and two sisters. Now, when you have two brothers and two sisters, you have an issue because, uh, Andrew, you might recall that your wife's sister is an erva, right? There's something called an erva, the biblically prohibited Arias, okay? Um, the issue is what would happen if two brothers married two sisters Are You and, and one of them falls to you to Yibu? So you might recall, and this happened a lot in Yavamos, all the permutations, what if the marriage is Darabon, what if the marriage is Daraisa, right? If you're only on a marriage Darabon and, you, and somebody falls to you to marriage Daraisa, does that mean you have to divorce the, the sister that you married to Darabanan in order to perform the Yivam Daraisa, right? These are all the mental gymnastics we did when we were learning Yavamos. So some of those scenarios what do we do in order to get out of this situation? We do chalitza, right? Whenever we are stuck in the case of Yibum, and we say, wow, Midar Raisa, really you're supposed to like divorce your current wife and marry the other woman because of uh, Dar Raisa Yibum, we'll say, you know what, we're we're not gonna do that. Instead of doing Yibum, we'll just do chalitza, right? In other words, when you have these two clashes, you're compelled to do Yibum, but you can't get married and you can't do Yibum, and, and it clashes, we always have that out, that exit, where we could just do Chalitza and satisfy the Yibam, right requirement that way. So what's going to be the case? So the Mishnah goes through all the permutations. So let's say the two brothers are deaf and the two right wives are not. Or or maybe the two wives are deaf. Or right, are, are deaf mutes. So either... But all the principal parties, right? Both brothers and two sisters are deaf. Or one of the sisters is a deaf mute. Or both sisters are deaf and the brothers are not. Or maybe both sisters are deaf mute and one of the brothers. Right? We're going through all the permutations. One of the uh, brothers is deaf and one is not. Hare, elu. All the different combinations. Hare elu, paturos mina chalitza, u yibum. There is no chalitza and there's no yibum. Why? Rashi, right? It says, <laughs> says the Rashi, uh, <laughs> In other words, when a person is right, For the wife, let's say, is cherish, then they don't, the cognitive ability of the Baalim is neither here nor there. Right, and therefore they don't have to have even chalitza. The yotzah mishum achos isha the chol Because after all, we have here two sisters marrying two brothers. There's an erva issue here. Okay, so when there's an erva issue and the level of the of the uh, kedushin is only biderabanan, so then the erva is going to carry the day, and you don't even need chalitza because of the fact that that is a de'oraisa violation. So again, Barry, if there's no issue of ervas, so then maybe you would have to do chalitza, right? Because after all, you have a de'oraisa obligation of yibum, and maybe the marriage was only de'orbanan because it's considered a right? And therefore, right, you'd have to do chalitza. But if it's two brothers and two sisters, said the Mishnah and Yivamas, so then that the de de'oraisa of yibum is actually, right, counteracted by the Daraisa of Erva. Once it's counteracted by the Daraisa of Erva, so then you don't even have, uh, the Yibum never gets off the ground, and you don't even have to do Chalitza. However, says in the mission of Imayu Nachrios, let's stay in Rashi here, Oshi Right. So if the two sisters were Nachrios, not, not, not Shikses if they were not related to each other, right? If they, were, uh, if they were just two unrelated wives. So then, in all these cases, khansu, so then you have to get married. In that case, the Yibum will trump the Durbanan. But here's the punchline, that you have to do Yibum. Yikonsu here means you have to do Yibum because again, the Yibum will carry the day because it's the raisa. So you can't do chalitza. you have to do Yibum. However, if they want to divorce them, they can. In other words, you can't do chalitza, but you can do yibum, and then if you want, you can divorce them. But wait a minute. That means that a cherish, after all is said and done in the Mishnah of Yavamas, a cherish can divorce a Yavama, right? That, a Yavama, even if she fell from what? A brother that was a deaf-mute, because after all, the mission went through every single permutation. So what happened? There was a, there, oh, there a wedding of a cherish. And then he tragically died childless. And his brother had, who was a cherish, also married the, right, or through Yibum, married the surviving wife. And yet, the Mishnah in Yavama says that he can divorce her. Wow. So, sound, we learn from this that you, in fact, you can divorce her, right? Uh, even though it came in through Yibum, says the Gemara, Machvasa Meikara. That actually uh, proves, that Mishnah Yvamas proves that we don't do what? A Gazera Cherish We don't say that a Cherish can't divorce her um, in a situation of Yibum that came from a Cherish brother, because uh, we don't say that you can't do that. In fact, you can, because the uh, actual union initiated Midar Abanon. That we're going to allow that unit to dissolve. Midirabanan. Okay. So now let's go back to the Bryce of Shimon Gamliel. Chalukin alav of Al Gamliel. Right. Um, right. In other words, the, this idea of the, that afilu as Rashi says, can't be megarish. Right. Okay. So what's going on? In other words, there is a question here: Was Rav Shimon Ben Gamliel trying to explain what the Tanakama was saying, or was Rav Shimon Gamliel arguing uh, on the Tanakama? Because all of Shimon Gamliel said was Bamev dvor, amur shmei Shimon Gamliel has this chiddish, this distinction between a congenital deaf mute, right, and, and, a, and, a, and a person who became deaf mute. So, but we're going to figure it out whether he's trying to explain or make a distinction. Says so the Gemara. Amar Afana Nami Tanina, back to the Mishnah Yavon Moskofi Beis. It says in that Mishnah, Nishtes, if a woman became, the, right, uh, a shota after she got married, Lo Yotzi, the husband can't divorce her, ever. And similarly, if he becomes a shota, he also can't divorce her. Now, it's the same halacha, lo yotzi, But for some reason, when it says that he's become the it says olamis. So now let's analyze. My olamis, why is it saying olamis? In both cases, you can't ever divorce her. So it says laf maybe it's emphasizing with this word olamis to teach you that he can't divorce her even mitoch as Reb shimon ben gamliel would point out right rishimon ben gamliel is saying right that that Reb Shimon ben gamliel said that if he's a congenitally deaf mute he cannot then then even if he's showing mental competence he cannot right divorce his wife with just a written declaration, right? In other words, he can't just demonstrate his mental competence that Rav Shimon Gamliel's is the only time that we allow a Khairish to divorce his wife is if he was originally, right, of cognitive abilities and then later became a Khairish That's the only time. And Rav Shimon Gamliel's is that if he's a congenital Khairish we don't allow him to do that even if he displays mental competence. And yet, right, Our Mishnah says, Olamis, it sounds like it's arguing, right? It sounds like Rabbi Yochanan disputes it, right? Because it sounds like he cannot, that even if he can communicate, right? It says, Nitcharish. Nitcharish sounds like it was not congenital. Sounds like it happened at some point in life. And still, right, the Mishnah of says that he can't, Lo Yotzi Olamis, he can't divorce his wife ever. So is that a proof against Rabbi Shemekom So Amar of Papa, of Papa, as we know, since Brachos is always trying to reconcile and say that no, maybe this is not. And Machalkez Rishimun Rabbah says, "Elav der If Rabb Yochanan had not told us that that Shimon Gamliel is arguing with the Tanakama, Hava Shemina Rishimun Gamliel Tanakama Huda I would have thought that Rishimun Gamliel is trying to say is just explain the Tanakama to say that no, when the Tanakama was talking about a cherish, he was talking about a congenital cherish that you can't do it, but a person who was nit would be able to actually uh, demonstrate mental competence and then divorce, Umay Las, so then what would ulamas have meant in that in that mission on it would have meant ah the Khazina lay the harf it means that even if we see that he is in fact fully mentally competent right uh, he's it, that we still consider him incompetent unless he can write once he writes, so then I would have thought that is a Pure, a true indication, right? He's writing, right, very, very, right, Helen Keller, right, writing very, very esoteric stuff and obviously showing great mental intelligence, right? So what's the problem? That At that point, you could say that we do believe that they're mentally competent. The Gemara says that's one possibility of what Olamas means. Or, her Papa says, <speaking in Hebrew> maybe we could also say that it is consistent with the Yitzchak. Torah, Karcha. Maybe you could say it like this, that a Shota can be divorced because we compare her to a woman, after all, who's fully mentally competent. Now, don't forget, a fully mentally competent woman can be divorced bal korcha. Well, if a woman can be divorced bal korcha, why do we need her das altogether, right? So we say in the Gemara, umatam amre enimit So then why would the rabbi say that she can't be divorced ever? Shaloi min hag hefker. Right? That it might be true. That a woman could be divorced, bal um, korcha. But ironically, if she is fully competent, she could be divorced against her will. But if she's a shota, we protect her Midaraban. We say that even though she's not, she's less mentally competent. Her, we can't divorce against her will because she will be taken advantage of. Right? It would be uh, right cruel, so to speak, for a husband to divorce a woman that was a Shota, because now you're just basically throwing her out on the street, and, and that is going to make her very, very vulnerable, that would be immoral. And so, you don't want other people to take advantage of her and, and treat her with a and it is for that reason that we use the term alamis, right, to contrast the case of a Shota, right, Shota can't divorce his wife for like a fundamental, right, halakhic reason. Um, that right because of cognitive ability. But a wife who's a Shota cannot be divorced because we are protecting her right, from being taken advantage of. So now we have a few more minutes but we're on the Mishnah um, two-thirds down the way on Ayn al and it's talking about instructing uh, witnesses to write instructing shlichim for again. So Amulo, quote, let's say two witnesses say, say, should we write again for your wife? He says, yeah, sure. If they then go to sofer and say write it and then say to other witnesses to sign it Even though these people wrote it and then signed it and then gave it back to the husband and then he gave it to his wife The get does not work Because after all, what happened here? He, uh, what happened here was that the Shlichos right, was passed along, right? In other words, the husband has to tell the sofer to write and the edam to sign. He can't just say, right, It can't just be that Adem ask, asks, uh, should we do this thing? Should we write? And then he says yes, and then they are the ones that commission it. It has to be commissioned by the actual husband. So that's what the Gemara discusses, right, whether it has to do with tenu or whether you have to say tenu uh, v'chasumo. Andrew says that he has a lot um, to learn. He wants to have extra to learn uh, over Tishabav, before Tishabav, rather, and after Tishabav, and therefore, we'll resume, uh, next week, but we are leaving off where the Gemara starts, an Aleph Amid Bez, and Ayin Bez would be, uh, either before or after Tishabav, and then Ayin Gimel, and, and further. So Bezmat Hashem, we will resume next week. May this Tishabav be, instead of Day of Avel, may it be a Day of Simcha with the rebuilding of the Beis from Harabam Beinu.